Salutations and welcome to the Friendship News Hour presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. Today is July the 27th, 2022. My name is Frank. His name is Alex. Welcome back, sir. Welcome back. Has your hangover ended yet? Dude, I don't know what it was about this weekend. I have some theories that I won't express publicly. <laughs> I felt amazing. I like this entire weekend. For those who don't know, we were in Vegas for a bachelor party for uh Mr. Rager, aka Michael Lopez. Yeah, dude, I didn't feel bad almost the entire weekend. Monday, and it might have been more of the time change than anything, but Monday I was dragging, bro. Like I didn't feel oh, yeah. sick or anything, but I was just tired as a bitch, man. Cause I when we were there, we're staying up till four or five a.m. every morning, which mm-hmm. for me is like six, seven a.m. Chicago mm-hmm. time. And then I come back and you know, I I, I didn't get back, I think, until like twelve thirty a.m. like Monday morning. And then Walt woke me up at 6 a.m. and just needed attention and shit. And then, like, that, my clock was just all fucked. It was, it was weird. So I, Monday I was definitely dragging, but I didn't feel sick or anything. But yeah. Good well, now. good. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I think I came back to some, like, deadlines. I was off Monday, but I, like, ended up working, like, half the day because we had some deadlines and oh. ended up pushing through, like, a bunch of orders, which was good. That'll keep you, that'll keep you up. And in a good mood, too. In a good mood, for sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, nah, I felt great. Fantastic weekend. Well organized by you, as well as the best man. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, you can make a plan for Vegas, but it, it all goes to hell in a handbasket as soon as somebody has one, you know, hair up their ass. They get an idea and they want to go do something. Yeah. So it, it, it's 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 tough to plan, but then when you get there, it's like, fuck it, whatever. We're in Vegas, you know? Let's do whatever you want. It's funny, too, because like you say, oh, Vegas for a bachelor party, and it's like, Ugh. Like I, I got, I, that's kind of like your first, that was my first like impression. Like, ah, oh, okay. Going to Vegas, like whatever. But it's like, every time I go to Vegas, bro, I have a fucking great time I, I, when it's not like for work. Vegas makes sure of it. Yeah, it does. It they does. make sure of it. We took the man to go drive some sports cars. He was whipping a Porsche out there. Didn't he yeah, say he topped out cool. at like a hundred something? Yeah. He, no, he said he got out over a hundred. Yeah. For yeah. sure. On a straightaway. You know what I was thinking though? Hmm. I'd be curious to get his thoughts on this. I haven't asked, I haven't asked the bachelor yet, but if I were to do it differently, I would try and make the experience for the bachelor more inclusive because I feel like when you do things for the bachelor, especially like when we took him out for driving, right? We, we put him in this really nice sports car, super expensive car, you know, a car that he probably won't be able to like get in and drive like that for some time. Right. And I'm sure it was fun and a blast, but it was him alone doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. If we went out to go do something, he was singled out and it was always like for him. And if it were me, I'd like, dude, don't do it for me. I don't give up. Like, I know that you're here for me, but like, you don't need to, you don't need to alter what you want to do just because I happen to be getting married in a few weeks. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I wish it was more of like an inclusive thing where we all got to do one thing with the bachelor. Yeah. And then like when he was doing the car racing and then he did like a drift experience where he got to drift around the corner and shit. So he was tied up with them for like two, three hours. And while he did that, we went and did those go-karts. And like, I wonder, like you're saying, like in hindsight, if he would have rather done the more inclusive activity with all 10 of us or whatever, go-karting instead of the thing by himself. But also, like you said, he'll never get to drive a Porsche, that poor piece of shit for a long time. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. I, Broke I, I, I'm, he, he seemed very appreciative of it, but you're right. What I what I'm kind of hearing you say is we should go on a golf trip for the next bachelor party and everyone gets to Correct. golf together. Really what I'm saying is you need to divorce your wife and then remarry her. 
as soon as possible. <laughs> that is what we should do, bro. Get a divorce and then get remarried and we can have a ceremony. There you we go. Finally use that DJ credit, motherfucker. <laughs> oh. oh. We missed uh, we haven't recorded for like two weeks now though. Dude, a lot of stuff going mm -hmm. on. Um I wanted to start you off here. A little thought experiment. Mm. Get your thoughts on something. And this is going to be kind of lame because you can see the... I can close my eyes. The caption. No, it's okay. Keep them open. Without looking at the caption, you see this picture here? Dear Lord. Yeah. Okay. What do you think the difference is between these two pictures? They're both cars in a parking lot. One is from, I think, 1960. Mm-hmm. And one is from today. What do you notice as is a big difference? Besides, obviously, that the technology's improved and the cars look different. Yeah, like the cars look nicer. It looks like there's more parking here where they go in like long rectangles instead of where there's like the spaces over to the right where it's like narrower. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have probably guessed this unless it was pointed out to me. Like if this was organically shown to me, like I'm doing to you. Yeah. But look at the color. Oh, holy shit! Yeah, they're all like gray and white and black in the new cars. And yeah, back here you got yellows and blues and oranges, reds, blues and reds and greens wow. and purples that's, and light blues so and weird. different shades of oranges. So there's like this uh, this study report out from a uh, it's actually a museum in uh, London. Uh, or excuse me, in, in, in England. And uh, they're talking about how color has changed over the years. So they, they took photographs, uh, and I'm guessing these are just the ones that they have availability to, um, from all the way back into 1800 through today. And what you see is like this scheme of, of different colors. And as they get closer to today, they all kind of narrow into the center so that the ranges of colors are slightly, are slightly uh, uh, throttled as you get towards today. And then I showed you that picture of the car. And then this one I thought was really neat. Don't look at the screen real quick, Al. Look away. Eyes are closed. Look away. <laughs> this is a McDonald's from 19... <sighs> God, probably honestly, probably from like 2002. I miss when McDonald's looked like that, man. That was isn't she beautiful? Yeah. Mm. No, look at look at a McDonald's from today. Yeah, not the same. Not the same. Isn't that wild? It's just a brown, indiscriminate building with uh with the yellow end. And think about this: you never see like Ronald McDonald, the Hamburglar, like any of those mm -hmm. characters. They like distance themselves completely from those from the playgrounds. Like it's rare you see a McDonald's with a playground now. Probably health wise is for the better, but. Still, like that was like a staple yeah. of my childhood. Row was going to McDonald's, getting like a, a kids meal with like fries, chicken nuggets, uh, and then like going and fucking off in the ball pit or what? Like just playing on that shit for hours. Yeah, like, catching a fungus. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, what is so now? You're showing me a home from the 1800s. A home from the 70s. That's the 70s. <laughs> Jesus, this is the 70s. Okay, so you got so you got like a uh, three tone carpet here. It's like <laughs> orange, brown, and and a little bit of white, and you got like a. Um, I don't know, like a light yellow textured wallpaper and then a green, orange and white draperies and the tablecloths, like a, a white lace, just a lot of color, you know? Mm -hmm. And this is, this is a home from today. I am more, not this exact interior design, but I do like the more modern look of that kind of shit. Like the shag carpet and the crazy drape, all that's too, too much for me. Yeah, I agree. I think this does look a little bit more, it's softer on the eyes. It's easier to take in. Mm -hmm. Right. And it, and it gives a more crisp, clean look, yep. but, but I do, I do, I don't, and I don't even know if there's any point of, you know, any, any of what we're talking about here <laughs> with this study, but 
I, I think it's interesting that the, the, the shift away from, I mean, I'm looking around this room. It's all white. Yeah. Everything's white in my house. Everything is either white or black or gray or some muted tone. And I just think, I think that's interesting. You know, I'm looking outside my window right now and I see this house on the corner and it's blue and it's got Christmas lights still up. <laughs> so that'll probably tell you why like it's blue, right? It's, it's like an older house. People who live there don't really care. And, uh, I just think it's interesting how we used to use color and now almost everywhere you go, it's all modernized and sleek and muted gray, black. Do you think that means we're less interesting people or we think of ourselves as more sophisticated? So we, we go for like that slick chic look. Yeah. I think, I think it's the latter. I think it's the second one. And, and, and I, I think the, the idea is to, is to present something that, that is, uh, like you said, like, I guess like higher class, higher status kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and with like, if you're going to do a bunch of colors, it's like tacky and like a little bit off putting Yeah, today, Mm -hmm. like in today and like in today's world. Yeah. That's so interesting. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was interesting, Mm -hmm. man. We can go in so many different directions right now. Um, fire them, whatever you want. First thing that comes up. Okay. First thing that came up is a scandalous story out of the world of science. Okay. We're talking about Alzheimer's. Okay. Yes. There was a neuroscientist at Vanderbilt who, uh, who got a call back, uh, last August and, uh, a colleague wanted to connect him to an attorney who was investigating a drug for Alzheimer's. Uh, the drug's called somophilam. And the people who developed this drug are claiming that it improved cognition, uh, partly by repairing a protein that can block sticky brain deposits of the protein amyloid beta. That's a big one, amyloid beta. Uh, ever since uh, Alzheimer's has been discovered, amyloid beta is, is the protein that has been isolated as the protein that causes this this uh, cognitive uh, uh, decline. Brain deterioration. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So they wanted him to to look into this drug and uh, he's done his own research on, on Alzheimer's throughout the past. And um, what they wanted him to do is look at pictures because when you do science for Alzheimer's and you look at these proteins and you publish data, you publish pictures of these proteins. And what he found sent him down this giant rabbit hole because when he started investigating this drug... He found altered and duplicated images in dozens of journal articles, but it wasn't about the drug itself. It was about a a, a new protein, and this was uh, amyloid beta 58, okay? And this was a new discovery in 2006 uh, by a pretty much like unknown uh, scientist named Sylvain Lesney out of the University of Minnesota. He found this new type of amyloid beta. And then they put that new type of protein inside of a rat and they found that it caused uh, devastating mental decline and memory loss in the rat. So they, well, they, they thought they found pretty much the key to Alzheimer's. They thought that this is where we need to put our focus. So saying like, this is the most aggressive form of this beta that we found. Like you found one thing, but then you, you were able to get under the layer of that one thing and you found like another smaller part of it. Gotcha. Right. This discovery in, in, in two, I think it's 2006, caused not only hundreds of millions of dollars of research to be poured into the study of that new discovery, uh, but it altered, the, altered Alzheimer's research for, 
16 years. Now, for you, me, and anyone listening who isn't affected by Alzheimer's, in which I'm not, I don't know anybody with it, this probably doesn't seem that crazy. But Alzheimer's affects hundreds of millions of people across the world. Yeah, Sarah's grandma had it. She passed away from it, really? actually, yeah. How terrible was it? Uh, I actually never got to meet her, but yeah, I mean, she, by the end, I th she didn't remember Sarah, her brother, I think even her dad, who was, you know, her grandma's son, that mm -hmm. like there was days when she wouldn't remember him. So I'm curious, because I wonder if that's harder for the family of that person and the actual person going through it. Because, I mean, I guess at first, when they first start kind of losing sense of, of reality or their history, like, that is scary and definitely sucks. But I feel like mm -hmm. at a point, like, you kind of are just gone and disconnected a little bit, Where and then your family's just like, well, I just spent 40 years with this, like, 50 years with my mom or with my wife, and, and they don't remember who I am. Like, that's hard. Like, how do you say goodbye to them? You know, yeah. like, I, I wonder at a point if it is harder for the family than the, even the person. Yeah. Sorry, sidetracking um, No, no, it's fine. I, I, I mean, I, I, th I think it's good to tell that story because I've heard stories and I've, 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 I've read case studies, uh, especially when I was, when I was going to, uh, uh, business school, uh, for, for completely different reasons, um, about Alzheimer's and it's a terrible, terrible disease. It's definitely terrible for the person. They're scared. They don't really know where they're at. They're confused. But God, I mean, imagine being the granddaughter of a, a, a of, of an Alzheimer's patient. Mm -hmm. This person you've you've loved and adored your whole life doesn't know who you are. Yeah. I mean, that, that's I can't think of anything worse. It, it would be it would be less painful if they died. Right. Yeah. Like, I think. I mean, it's just my personal opinion, but I think it would be less painful if that person died because then then there's some sort of closure. You know, they passed. Them. You can put that aside. Yeah. But this person is still living, and you have to witness their decline, and they and they don't know who you are. I mean, that's just some of the most painful thing I can think of. Yeah. Um. But but anyway, back to this article in in uh, in Science Magazine. Or excuse me, Science Journal. Um, they give they give this uh, analoid beta. It's called analoid beta star fifty six. They give it to mice, and they they discovered that the mice had just plummeted in cognitive function, and they touted this analoid beta star fifty six as the quote first substance ever identified in brain tissue and Alzheimer's research that has been shown to cause memory impairment. So uh, about two weeks after this paper was published, finding this, this new uh, protein in 2006, the main doctor who was head of this lab, uh, her name is Karen Ash. So Karen Ash wins this uh, Potomacan prize for neuroscience. It's like one of the top prizes in neuroscience, partly for her work discovering this protein. Since that uh, article was published and this protein was discovered, there have been 2,300 scholarly articles that have cited that study, which is all but four research reports on Alzheimer's have cited that study. There have been $287 million of research directed to the study of that one very specific protein. And with this neuroscientist who's researching this discovered is that a lot of these pictures that they have published for this study have been either uh, duplicated or uh, altered. So what this article is saying is that these people have researched this and are saying, we see things that are very consistent with alterations and duplications of these pictures, meaning that the science that they put out on Alzheimer's that have changed the Alzheimer's science uh, trajectory for 16 years has a very high probability of being completely wrong. Mm. And they asked the scientists in the labs that have, that studied this protein and quote unquote discovered it and have been touting it. None of them uh, cared to give a response to this article uh, or, or comment on it. Uh, so, so what they're, they're not saying hundred percent definitively. 
yes, this is 100% correct. They're wrong. There's not the other saying, hey, we investigated this and uh, this is as big of a red flag as we've ever seen in like science today. And I thought this was important to bring up because these are scientists that win prestigious awards who have credentials and things backing them that that make them very much legitimate. And if it's true what they're saying in this article, then they have completely falsified and fabricated evidence in science to uh, benefit their own trajectory. Yeah, secure funding for themselves. Yeah, right. For themselves or for their labs, Mm -hmm. to to job security, this, that, and the other. And this article goes way down deep into the weeds about uh, how you secure uh, funding. And science is mostly just grant-driven anyway, so you have to come up with the data. And so they kind of incentivize this sort of behavior, right? It's kind of like that... That, you know, I guess you're you're taking a personal oath saying you're not going to do any of these things uh, because, you know, the implications are so great. But it seems like I am confused with one thing, though. So, yeah, is this beta 58 actually like is there their data to show that that actually is like a more powerful version of it? And like just like other things following that have been falsified or from the start, this actually hasn't been like a series of a mutation of this this chemical this with this protein whatever from the start the ab protein is what was found by alloys uh, alzheimer back in 1906 that's like okay. the original so, yeah okay yeah so that's how we find out about alzheimer's uh-huh. since that time for like almost 100 years there really hasn't been like a big breakthrough in alzheimer's it's always been just kind of like well this is what we know but we don't really know what to do with it and then this came out and they're saying hey this is the actual protein this is the actual isolated uh, material that we can bring out of of this ab protein and this is what causes alzheimer's or, or this is what we're hypothesizing causes alzheimer's and by them saying that and doing that and potentially, right, allegedly altering and doctoring these photos, they have said, we're the ones that uh, have found this protein. This is what we think. And we're going to allow for the trajectory of Alzheimer's research to go in a completely different direction based off of these findings. Mm -hmm. And if they were the one, if they really did alter or fabricate those photos, uh, then that's like, just the most gross mismanagement of scientific uh, m- material probably since uh, COVID. <laughs> wow. That's pretty wild, man. Yeah. So are they fucked? Like, how are they, how do they look into something like that? And then like, do you punish them? Like, how do you, do you arrest these people? You would have to, you would have to, you would have to find access to the original data and documents and photographs in order to make a determination based off of the original items that they used. Whether or not they can do that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. As you scroll down towards the uh, bottom of the article, they're, they're saying the the bigger worry here is outside of obviously, you know, wasted time, effort, and, and money in science, is the growing uh, distrust of the public in science. Which to me is the main point of this whole story, is that science is very much a living, breathing organism, right? It's not settled. It's not defined. It's what we know, excuse me, it's what we think we know today, right? And then when you incentivize it through money and and you you allow for people to fabricate stories like this to get money, then you're incentivizing bad science. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's incredibly hurtful. I think it goes to prove that, you know, humans in our very much expanded capacity throughout time, are, it's very limited. We're very limited people. And we know a whole lot less than we don't know. 
Sure. But I mean, that's just one bad story. I mean, think of our, where science is today compared to where it was in like the dark ages in medieval times, even into the 19th century when they were cutting off people's limbs in, in civil war. And, you know, if you got hit by a bullet, it was like, fuck, or you're dying from all kinds of diseases. Like science, you know, I'm, there's always going to be flaws in anything that's human constructed and human, you know, ran, but on the whole, science has definitely helped humanity through the years a shit ton. Like, I, I mean, I don't think something like this discredits science, like as a whole. Not, yeah, maybe not, but certainly I think it could, it could, um, you know, sow the seeds of distrust within the the general public when when you hear stories of hubris and greed. Yeah, that's just that's a human well, characteristic. Right, right. That's going to be in anything that's human based. But but think about well, and, and you know, science mostly. I mean, we're, we're science is this observation of of what is mm-hmm. right. So it's our observation. It's 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 already tainted by humans because it's through our perspective, right? It's through our lens, For sure. not through really anything else. Right. The one thing I can extract out of this is like the things that we consider settled or the things that we consider true for, you know, uh, a big example of this is what came out over the weekend um, about SSRIs. Did you hear about this? Mm-mm. You know, SSRI is? I do not. I've heard of the term though. Um, SSRI is a antidepressant. Oh yeah. That's why I know. Yes. It's, a, okay. it's, 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 I think the, the, the name is selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Essentially, if you have low serotonin levels, this will boost your serotonin level. Serotonin is the chemical in, in your body that, you know, makes you feel good, mm-hmm. right? If drugs have, you know, street drugs, uh, uh, designer drugs have the effect of raising your serotonin levels quite high. What was put into a scientific journal over the weekend, and it's something that I think uh, a lot of people kind of thought anyways, is that depression is not a chemical imbalance, meaning these these group of scientists took uh, a group of people who were diagnosed with depression and monitored their serotonin levels and they found that there is no significant decrease in serotonin levels within those popul- within the population of depressed people and our treatment of that is to prescribe serotonin boosting medicine now what this uh, discovery doesn't say and, and 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 what the research didn't do is it didn't look at the effects of this serotonin boosting medicine like Zoloft or any other antidepressant and how it, how effective it is in treating depression. And that's up for debate. And, and, and I think it probably treats depression just fine, right? Like if you're sad and you take something that makes you feel happy, you're not treating the problem, but you're making yourself feel better. So that, that probably is how it works. But we've been treating a serotonin deficiency when one does not existed for decades and giving people antidepressants. Right. There may not be anything inherently like wrong in that. And, and like, like I said, it could be that that drug is effective, but we've taken something that we thought we knew that we thought was settled and we prescribed drugs for it for decades. Mm-hmm. Like in that, to me, it's like that, that is a very insidious sort of phenomenon because while, while it may not have a giant uh, effect on what's going on here with, with people who are depressed, uh, and maybe it does down the road, who knows? You can replace it with anything that we thought that we knew, right? What did we think about uh, eggs and cholesterol or whatever? You know, like like anything like that. And then we t- make moves to try and fix that using some chemically enhanced uh, uh, pharmaceutical drug. So, For sure. you know, I, 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 and, I, and I, I think this ties in really well with that Alzheimer's story. Not that this is seditious or, 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 or scandalous or anything, but a healthy dose of uh, humility and, and skepticism could probably go a long way. For sure. Yeah, definitely for sure. But I would, I would just say, like, I feel like science, just like capitalism kind of does too, is like the one thing that keeps pushing the race of humans forward. 
to do better, mm-hmm. to, to, to question things like, yeah, it might be a law, but then like, there's another, there's people like, if we've been doing the serotonin thing for years, what made these people do this side, this side experiment to see what the fuck's actually going on? It's like, we need to have things that are somewhat established so that they can be challenged and tested by other people and, and continue to grow science. We used to think that the earth was the center of the universe. Now we're looking out of a James Webb telescope, millions and millions and millions of years far out and, and way the fuck out in space, seeing galaxies we've never seen before and, and universes. And it's like, we it has to keep getting better so that we as a race continue to get better. And, you know, maybe in our lifetime, I'm sure in our lifetime, we'll never achieve like the pinnacle of what a human is or what the human experience or our knowledge of anything is. But like, there's only, that's the only path to get better is forward. And I, I think that's what science continues to do while there'll be tons of people that take advantage of it and make money and fuck people up and doctors that overprescribe Adderall and all this shit to kids and fuck them up because they want to make money. Like that absolutely fucking happens. But I do think it like is pushing the entire human experience forward at the end of the day. Yeah, sure. I mean, you take the good the bad with the bad, right? Yeah, exactly. Like I'll take, I'll take this, uh, this, uh, very scandalous Alzheimer's story for penicillin. Right. Like yeah, I'll take that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, you know, at the same time, I, I do think it's important when these stories do come out that, you know, that, that there is a, uh, you know, a, a very small lens put on, on these people because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, we, we can't allow for, for folks to escape the responsibility when, when they're dealing with things that are so touchy. And, and they're, and they're so, um, you know, they, they can affect so many people and they can affect, well, as we're seeing the trajectory of, science as a whole. I, I think that story, when you extract that is just, that's known throughout time, right? That's, that's, that's human history, hubris and, and, and lack of humility. But especially when, when we're talking about science, cause we trust these people. What the fuck do I know about, uh, uh, SSRIs or Alzheimer's research? I don't know a goddamn thing about yeah. it, but I know these people do. And they're saying, Hey, this is pretty fucked up what these guys are doing. And when it comes, when, when, when you're talking about something so consequential right. as science, yeah, I think I think definitely, you know, we 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 have a responsibility to hold these people to to the highest uh, account. For sure. And if I mean, yeah, if we if we do do that and and value the truth more, you know, I, I think and then like in return punish these people that like take advantage or bullshit to put themselves forward just like we're putting cops in jail when they're breaking the law during their job or I mean, in some places they're putting nurses in, in, in prisons and stuff when they fuck up their job. It's like if a scientist goes out there and makes a bold claim or, or totally misleads people for, for any kind of profitable thing, like put that scumbag in prison or whatever the fuck, like add consequences so that people aspire for the truth to actually further the science and not themselves. You know, yep. if, if you do that, I, I feel like it, it's, it's more beneficial because I, I don't know how you arrest these Alzheimer's people 40 years or whatever it's been after the fact, like, I, I don't know how you, what's your claim? Like, w- how did they actually break the law? They just found something that turned out to not be true. And then a lot of people ran with it. Yeah. You know? I don't I don't know. I, I couldn't even begin to tell you what any legal ramifications would be for that. Yeah. I, and I, ma- I imagine there's some, I hope that there's some, yeah. right. Or, or at the very least you're shunned from the community and you can't work anymore. For sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that's what happens to most doctors who, you know, who screw up and maybe they're protected by the insurance or by the hospital or whatever, but just because they can't get prosecuted for what they did because they were doctors, that doesn't mean that they're a competent doctor and they get 
practice, you know, or like that nurse story that we talked to Hannah Duncan about. It's like, in my opinion, and I know she's a nurse, she has way more like knowledge of the situation and everything, but it's like that, the mistake that that lady made seemed pretty egregious. And it's like, if you punish that lady, you make nurses everywhere be like, whoa, I need to slow down and like read this shit yeah. or I'm going to maybe end up in jail or get sued or whatever. And it's like that sometimes just can be for the best. Like, I'm sorry that this lady is put on trial and yada, yada, but it's like, if this actually could push like medical science or whatever forward to like avoid more of these, maybe that's what you got to do. I don't, I don't know. All right. Well, um, what else you've been seeing? This is a story that I don't want to cover Al. I don't, I don't want to cover it. I don't want to talk about this. I'm kind of tired of talking about this. Okay. What is it? But I feel like I have to. Tell me your truth, Frank. This is the Los Angeles Unified School District. And this is not a program. This isn't extracurricular. This is official direction from the Los Angeles Unified School District, uh, the nation's second largest school district. Since 2022, the district's Human Relations, Diversity, and Equity Department has created an infrastructure to translate the basic tenets of academic queer theory into K-12 pedagogy. The materials include a wide range of conferences, presentations, curricula, teacher training programs, adult-driven gender and sexuality clubs, and school-sponsored protests. In a week-long conference last fall titled Standing with the LGBTQ Plus Students, Staff, and Families, administrators hosted workshops with presentations on, quote, breaking the gender binary, providing children with, quote, free gender-affirming clothing, understanding, quote, what your queer middle schooler wants you to know, and producing, quote, counter-narratives against the master narrative of mainstream white cis heteropatriarchy society. During the conferences, the district highlighted how teachers can respond to religious objections to gender ide ideology and promoted materials on how students can be, quote, Muslim and trans. In another training program titled Queering Culture and Race, the Human Relations Diversity and Equity Office encouraged teachers to adopt the principle of intersectionality, a key tenet of critical race theory. If you don't know what intersectionality is, that is the crossroads of being, say, a brown, poor, trans woman. At that intersection, at that five-way stop, that's where you are. That's what intersectionality means. First, administrators ask teachers to identify themselves by race, gender, and sexual orientation, and to consider their position on identity hierarchy. The district then encouraged teachers to, quote, avoid gendered expressions. Administrators also warned teachers that they might have to work against the families of their minority students, especially black students regarding sexuality. Quote, the black community often holds rigid and traditional views of sexual orientation and gender expression. Black LGBTQ youth experience homophobia and transphobia from their familial communities. Now, I can go on, and I will, but <laughs> I want to point out that these this stuff here, what we're talking about is there's nothing wrong with it in principle. Like there's nothing wrong with teaching this stuff, but in a vacuum as a, as official, uh, direction from the school district itself, it's not, it says nothing to, this isn't a third party. We're not bringing in consultants. This is the actual school district of Los Angeles and their official teachings. This is what they're pushing. You might think Frank, well, what is the problem? All they're trying to do is they're trying to create a more welcoming space, right? They're trying to, they're saying, hey, this is what the kids are going to be anyway. We can't change it. We wouldn't want to change it. So let's meet the kids where they're at. And to that, I say you are a weak, weak human being. Now we've covered it here. There's countless of uh, uh, examples of, of why this is uh, wrong, but it comes down to power, right? And it goes far beyond Los Angeles County 
uh, unified school district. The uh, Lynn Marr School District in Marion, Iowa, um, recently came out with some directives for overnight trips from the school where students shall be allowed to room with other students who share their gender identity or where they feel safest and most included. That means you're putting boys with girls and girls with boys. And then this is the kicker. And this is where it begins to get about power and nothing else. Building administration and or staff shall not notify parents of other students regarding a trans or gender non-conforming students housing accommodations, hmm. which is not a problem, right? Like if somebody you, you knew, loved and trusted came to you and told you some very personal information, I don't want you to tell my parents about it. Okay, that's fair. But then where does that stop? Because then do I continue to have this relationship with you where I know about these things that you're not, that you're afraid of telling your parents? And then am I fostering these things? Am I, am I becoming this confidant for you? Am I becoming this person you have this very deep and intimate relationship with because you've shared these personal ideas with or these, these personal feelings with, and then you begin to have a deeper relationship with a child outside of their parents. How much do you know about their parents? What do you know about what's going on at home? How do you know that they're not going to be accepted? When is it appropriate for you to have this relationship with this child? Yeah. It blurs a lot of lines, man. It blurs way too many yeah. lines, Al. Yeah. Again, there's nothing wrong with this stuff in principle, but we're not in principle. We're looking at it in a vacuum. And in a vacuum, this is incredibly, incredibly hurtful. And and, and it takes all of the, uh, however much work you're going to put into your familiar unit being a familiar unit, regardless of what your views are, 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 or, or any of that is. This is a school district who knows that they are going to be in charge of your child for about six hours a day, five days a week for about three quarters of the year. So I would love to hear an argument that tells me that this is about anything else outside of power. They want power over your child. To shape minds? Is that kind of what you're, what you're implying? Like to, to shape their political alignment early or to just like, shape them in, in the image that they want them to be power or what kind of power are you talking? If you, if you were part of a, a press group mm -hmm. and you then had solidarity with your oppression, with a bunch of other people who happen to be in positions of power in school districts, not just in school districts in liberal counties, but in school districts all over the country. Furthermore, the people who are in those, it, within that power structure in these school districts have come from incredibly liberal universities and, and, and higher education institutions. And you know that there is probably not a ton of public support for these ideas, bringing them to the public as such, right? You're going to have people that accept them. You're going to have people who don't want anything to do with them. Mm -hmm. So you say, well, I've been oppressed. These people have been oppressed. We are going to bring this to the, the, the level of, uh, the softest heads that we can find. We are going to interject these soft heads with problems and ideas and concepts that adults cannot, who, who very obviously can, cannot come to a, a, an agreement on or conclusion on or, or, or find a middle ground on. And we are going to make it so that, that all that they know from the time that they are in kindergarten until the time that they leave high school is one thing. And that is trans affirming. Um, and I'm going to quote from this article again. Uh, They're going to have you celebrate sexual identities such as pansexual, sexual fluid, queer, same gender loving, asexual, gender identities such as transgender, queer gender, agender, bigender, gender expansive, gender fluid, and two spirit. That's what you're going to offload onto the shoulders of children. I think that's pretty confusing to 
a six-year-old kid or whatever the hell they're going to be. Best case scenario, they're confused. Yeah, right. Best case scenario, they're confused. I, I agree with you that this is like some kind of power play one way or the other. Obviously, different, definitely very, you know, left-leaning. How does this separate in any other way, though? I mean, I, there's kids involved, but from like the case of abortion, where I think you have the right that's really going for some power in those states. And, and then like, you know, if you don't like this, mm-hmm. leave, go to Texas, sure. go, go somewhere. Sure. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, to me, it's, there's a shit ton of parallels here where it's like you are pushing your morality, whether it's the left and, and you're, you're being very inclusive and, you know, bringing in all these ideals, or if it's the right and you're like, this is the way you live life. You know, we trust God and country and, and, this is how you should be. I, I don't. I don't. I don't see much of a difference. I just think it's like a different side of, of how maybe we we would look at it, a subject as opposed to what the other side thinks. Oh, and I think a bunch of people are, are, are if they haven't already, are going to start taking your advice and getting the fuck out. Yeah, and they're going to go to Arizona, where school choice is a thing, where they can take the money that's that has been set aside for their children's education, and they're going to use it in a way that they see fit. Because where they're at now is is not is not making that happen. Here's why it's about power, Al, because th- this is all being done under the guise of raising a better generation, a more inclusive generation, a more tolerant generation of of student of of child. Right? Couldn't it do that though? More so than what's well, in place? Well, no, no, no. A hundred percent. A hundred percent it could. Right? But why are you going yeah. to school? Is that why you're going to school? You would have to believe that right. your mission in going to school is to make a more tolerant generation of student. To me, I say that's not a school's responsibility at all. And and you could even you could even say, well, listen, it's going to come up anyway. You can't block it out from schools altogether. I say fine. But if this is where the focus is at, if they're going to have conferences on this, then then we need to start talking about the actual performance of of uh, the the children in school. Do you know what uh, the proficiency reading rate is for kids in? You've L- told me before. It's shockingly low. Forty four percent less yeah. than half of the kids who are being taught what pansexual, sexual, fluid, queer, same gender gender loving, asexual, transgender, gender queer, agender, bigender, gender expansive, gender fluid, two spirit. Half of the people who are being taught those words can't read them. <laughs> You're going to tell me that this is this this is more important. That's a good point. That's a good it's point. asinine. And that's what makes my blood boil so much is that it's hurting children in the guise of helping children. You want to teach this stuff? You think kids can take these these kind of ideas and absorb them and and do so in a rational way? I will listen. Make sure that all of them can read first. If that is not where we're starting, then I'm not. I'm, then this is a non-starter. This has to go. Or what you're going to see, and what you're already seeing, is a mass exodus and and people fighting for school choice because we don't want to send our kids to public school where this is the focus because that's not the focus of school. So then, what's what's the answer for? Kids that have parents, because these people are everywhere, that are racist in our country, that are homophobic. Mm-hmm. How do those kids find a place where they actually feel welcomed or can like learn about these things and not just do what their parents say? Because parents, all humans, were inherently flawed, but it's like, just because your parents a piece of shit, does that mean you're going to be a piece of shit? You have no other recourse for this stuff. As much as I know how I want to like parent my kid and steer him in life and do all these things, there's a lot of parents that one, don't give a fuck or are steering them the wrong way, which just, in my opinion, equates to more pieces of shit out there, which doesn't help us either. Okay. But then now we're talking about power struggle because what you're saying is how how do we make sure that nobody, how do we make sure that kids who have parents who are racist or whatever, right? 
include whatever that that we think is something that shouldn't exist in our our society. How do we make sure that those kids are not being fed that message? And I I think it it takes an incredible lack of humility to think that that's your job in the first place. Yeah. To think that's anybody's job in the first place. If that's a racist parent, then that's a racist parent. Mm -hmm. You want to take that kid away from that racist parent and then... What you then you fall into the uh, what what is racist? Because being racist is a subjective thing these days, right? Sure. Yeah. I, you know, you could say anybody is racist for any one reason, right? I I think it's no different than than taking uh you know a seven year old kid to a, a drag show story time at a library or taking them to a, a drag show at a school where they put dollar bills in a in a, a drag queen's clothing or whatever, because they're dancing in front of them. This is not, I'm not making this up. This happens all the time. Like almost on a weekly basis, a new story about that exact scenario is happening. So to me, it's like the same thing. Do I want to, do I want to take those kids away from those parents? No, it's not my place. It's not my place. Mm -hmm. I just, I just want there to be a very concrete line in the sand as to what do we teach children? What is our focus with kids? Is it because if it's, if it's going to be raising a generation of competent and able Americans, then the focus needs to be on the basics. This is not the basics. And it, it's it's just a bunch of ideologue, uh, ideologues who've taken over uh, the, the administrations and are pushing this onto children because that's what they want to see these children grow up as. Them. Yeah. They want them in their image and their likeness. They're playing, it's like they're playing God. They want to raise these children in their image and likeness. And they're doing it under the guise of, of tolerance and acceptance. And, you know, up until this point, we've been talking about isolated incidents. This is official doctrine from the school district itself. This is what they're teaching. This is what that bill in Florida was aimed to, to uh, curb. This kind of thing from happening. In my very humble opinion, this is not classroom material. This is not things that that need to be taught in a classroom. Yeah. This is things that, that if you if this is what you want, then you do it. Then you do it. Right. I hear you. It used to be. It used to be that I don't know, man. It it just seems like there, there's a slippery slope. But we got to look forward because used to be a lot of shit used to be a lot different and a lot shittier for a lot of other people. You know what for I mean? Sure. So it's like we we got to look forward. I feel like there's got to be some resources for these kids that feel this way because like. If you're a trans kid or you're even just like a gay kid and your parents are like super religious or whatever, and it's like you have nowhere to go with that. And then it's like you're just going to squelch that inside you or whatever and then like become like a fucking serial killer or like you, you, you that can lead to crazy mental health problems, too, in the future. So it's like, eh, I don't know, man, I don't buy that. You're 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 building too many bridges to these things. I, you know, it's like, is it is it the worst thing for for somebody who's gay to have, a, a, a you know, a, a parent who's religious? It, it is could it, be. Is it tough? Probably. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. But I see what I'm saying. It could be. But what we're saying is like we're 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 empathizing with that one hypothetical situation. It happens all the time, right? But but we're not talking about anybody specific. We're taking that one situation. We're high, we're we're empathizing with that situation, and then we're saying, yeah. So this uh, you know this isn't so bad. Of what's going on here in in LA? It's like oh, no, look look. There's got to be there's got to be a line, and I don't think anybody is is advocating for for uh, you know a, a return to the to the dark ages. I just think that we're, we're advocating for a return to educating our fucking kids. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like, like that's the baseline here. You're going to find on the fringes of everything, some, some bigot or somebody who's going to say that I don't want anything to do with gay or queer trans kids or whatever. And I don't want my kid around that because I, that's not what we believe in. You're going to find a ton of very conservative, uh, uh, evangelicals who don't believe that leading a life of being gay or queer or trans or whatever is, is kosher. And they're not going to allow that in their household. Yeah, that exists, dude. Just because that exists, we can't say like we can't allow our empathy to to devolve into into what we're seeing here because then that affects everybody. And now every all all anybody's is worried about is their identity. And it's like I don't know, man. Like I, I I'm definitely willing to push back on that because it's not what's most important. You know what? You know what used to be most important? Just being a fucking American, dude. We yeah. were all one person under the flag and or whatever it was that united us. And now we bought into this idea that our differences are what make us strongest. And so we need to incessantly think about them and talk about them and push them on everybody. And you need to recognize that everybody is different in these, in these different ways. And all we're focusing on is our differences. All we're focusing on is what makes me separate from you. And you need to respect that. We're not talking about anything that unites us in, in, in any way. Agreed. But I think America looks differently to a lot of other people. So I could see why they would think that way about America. Like, I don't think, I think that way about thinking that, but I'm saying like, I don't think like, I know like the time of Americans and, and like, we all believed in our country and we were one, like I, I get that. And that, that was a good thing. But like, I think that way of thinking has gone away besides for popular media and all social media and all this shit. Like also because a lot of people looked around and said like, well, I don't feel like I have those same opportunities and my I'm not waking up every morning in Southern California and it's looking great. I'm waking up in inner city Detroit and this fucking sucks. This is not this America bullshit that they're talking about is not what I'm seeing. So I, I think more people probably feel that way than you would think. Um, but the, you know, a lot of people still kind of believe that cause maybe like their circumstances and whatever are, are good enough where they can be like, America has done well, you know, done right by me. I've done right by America. This is my country. A lot of people, in these Democrat cities, especially, don't have that luxury. Maybe that's the Democrats' fault. Maybe that's just the luck of the draw where they got born. But like America, that that freedom, that 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 promise that America is, is not the same for everyone. I could not agree with that. I I don't have any other like recommendation or solution for something that is uniting for everybody, other than you know where we are. The the our 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 collective citizenship in this country. Mm -hmm. And I don't know anything else that can bring us together in a way that shared heritage can, right? To me, it's like, I don't know, man. It, it's, it's, it just seems interesting that we focus so much on that, which makes us different, you know, because just yeah. even saying like our differences make us stronger, like, no, what makes, what unites us makes us stronger. What, what, what our differences are is what separates us is it, it's, it's what puts wedges between us. It's like, you know, it, it, it's how you otherize people. It's, it's how people, you know, it's how you can ostracize conservatives because, you know, they may not think the way that you think. And, you know, a certain quote tolerance level of, of, of how you want to live your life. And so it's like, there is no effort into unity. It's effort into tolerance and acceptance of, of one very specific thing. And, and that's it, right? There's no, there's no, there's, there's no room for anything else. So far as I know, there's no, you know, there's no, uh, uh conference week long conference talking about, uh, you know, how to, how to be the best teacher to your evangelical student. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
There's no, there's no conference about that. There might be one about your Muslim student. So it's like, I don't know, man, it's, it's gotta go, it's gotta go always. And, and this right here to me is, is it's just, it's super dangerous on a ton of levels. And I'm not saying that none of this belongs. That that's not my message at all. I, I, I want to be very clear. I don't care who you are, what you do. You, if there's a place in America, if there's a corner of America where you can make it legal to go and, you know, marry a goat. Fuck man. If you made that happen by all means, good for you. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. But what matters to me is making, a, you know, the official teaching and doctrine of a school district, meaning all students mm-hmm. to be about one very specific, very, very, very complicated umbrella of issues that includes a very small percentage of people too i would say exactly yeah yeah so anyways the stats back up what you're saying i I was just reading an article the other day that said the top seven cities that prospective home buyers are seeking to leave based off redfin and zillow information like they're just looking at people's searches and whatnot where they're coming from hold on hold on let me guess let me guess you said top 10 i have the top 10 in front of me right now yeah top 10 okay number one seattle no but they're on the list okay so seattle portland portland is not on this list Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Seattle, Los Angeles, the greater Bay Area slash San Francisco, New York City, Chicago. That's five. I don't know. What am I missing? I'm going to give it to you in order. Number one was San Francisco. Two, Los Angeles. Three, New York. Four, Washington, D.C. Mm. Five, Seattle. Six, Boston. Seven, Detroit. Eight, Denver. Nine, Chicago. Ten, Minneapolis. All democratic cities. Yeah, yeah. Well, that and that to me is kind of reassuring that people are leaving cities. I think I think more people need to leave cities and go live in a, you know, if at the worst the suburb, but you know, at a, in a quieter area, where you know you're you're not as uh, exposed to all the shit. You know, mm-hmm. the things you see, especially in New York City. Goodness gracious, I feel like every single day I see a different uh, video on Twitter of somebody getting mugged or shot or robbed or beaten up for literally no reason. Yeah. All right, before we get out of here, I have one more story and um, might be able to speak on this a little bit more next time. This is a story uh, about our good friend Hunter Biden, who's been in the news quite a bit lately, Uh, the disturbed son of our president, Joe Biden. Um, Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa has come out with a letter to the FBI and he is basically, I'll summarize it. He's saying that there is highly credible FBI whistleblowers who have come to him and who have told him that there was a coordinated effort within the FBI to downplay the release of information from Hunter Biden's laptop when it came out in late 2020. Why is it? Why do we care? Why am I even bringing this up? Because it was done Let's say it was, I don't know, January of 2017. Donald Trump just got sworn in as as president and all we're talking about is Russia. If this story comes out about Hunter Biden, it doesn't matter. It may not even make the news because Joe Biden doesn't really matter at this point, right? But this story about Hunter Biden's laptop came out right before the election. So if it's true what what these FBI whistleblowers are saying to this this senator about the... uh, coordinated effort from FBI agents to downplay and discredit the news of the Hunter Biden's laptop coming out. Could it, you say pretty confidently 
that that equates to election interference. Yeah, for sure. And I'll go further and say if this was in 2017 and Donald Trump was elected and this came out about Donald Trump Jr., the mm. fucking mm. news would have been in a frenzy, bro. And I feel like me? I've barely seen these videos covered on any kind of left-leaning site anywhere. He was doing crack on the street. At the same time, he was employed by uh, by a Ukrainian uh, energy company. Yeah, true, yeah. And if that equates to election interference, we can't say definitively it would have changed the election. Who knows? But if it's true what they're saying, then maybe, just maybe, hear me out here, don't fucking come after me. Couldn't you give just a little bit of credit to those people who think that this election was taken from Donald Trump? Just a little bit. I'm not, say, I'm not saying you have to justify them. I'm not saying what happened on January 6th is correct. I'm not even saying that you have to exonerate Donald Trump. I'm saying, couldn't you just give a little bit of credit to those people who were so fired up about the way that uh, Joe Biden won this election? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just, that doesn't justify just January 6th, like you're saying. It doesn't, of course not. None of that shit. But yeah, it definitely, definitely gives them a little bit more credence, for sure. This right here, if true, would be the most damning evidence of of anything that ever happened in, in, in Donald Trump's presidency. Mm-hmm. Maybe short of January 6th. Maybe well, yeah. then. You know my thoughts on that. The most damning evidence. But we're not the, nobody, nobody gives a fuck. Were those videos that came out like old from his laptop? Or those were those like current ones where he's like smoking crack with the hookers and weighing it out on the scale? Like, are those new videos? Like, it was so underreported by so many outlets that I feel like I don't, still don't know the whole story, even though I've watched the video. It's like. It was new. It was new to to us. I don't know how old it was because it was in a, it was in a laptop that was stored. So those were from the laptop. Uh, okay. I didn't know if that was yeah. like new footage that came out like from the hooker's phone or something that like he was currently doing this no. shit or whatever. And, and, and if it's true, what's going on here, then I think it warrants an investigation of all 50 intelligence agents who signed a letter saying that it was Russian inf- disinformation yeah. that, w- that came out of that uh, laptop. For sure. I mean, coordinated efforts from the highest intelligence uh, uh, arms of our government to downplay credible information that would have damaged a presidential candidate. I mean, it's like, th- this is the biggest scandal ever. Mm-hmm. Like, ever. I think it's way better, way, way, way worse than Watergate. Way worse than anything Donald Trump did. And we're being selective of, of how we do it. This is CBS News, by the way. This isn't some fringe report. CBS News is reporting on this letter. W- whether anything happens about it, who knows, man. Maybe when the Republicans get in in, in, in November, there'll be something. I doubt it. My cynical brain makes me believe that nothing's going to come of it. But if it's true, it's, I don't know, man. It's just so, it's just so frustrating. Tis. That's politics though. Frustrating. Man, you betcha. For sure. What's not frustrating is drinking a good smooth cup of coffee. That's not frustrating at all. But when you can do that and help American heroes, it makes it even better. Our sponsor, Gun Barrel Coffee, they're proud to donate $1 from every single item purchased to veterans and first responder charities all across our country. The way they do this is that they offer 14 different blends and roasts, which you can get whole bean, ground, or single-serve pods. And right now, as a friend of this ship, you can use the promo code FNH10, and you'll save 10% at checkout when you buy their products at GunBarrelCoffee.com. That's promo code FNH10. Gun Barrel Coffee, damn good coffee, damn good cause. Amen, brother. Had to segue into that quick because we are running against it. You betcha. Uh, Twitter at FriendshipNH. Instagram, TikTok at FriendshipNewsHour. Same handle. You can send us an email, bummerdude.media at gmail.com. Bummerdude.media at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.